Las Vegas, Nevada, this is Market Scale at Interdrone, where we're interviewing some of the most innovative names in drone technology. From cinematography to surveying to search and rescue, Interdrone has it all. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. All right, Peter, how are you doing today? Good. So far? Yes. It's a nice day. Yes, so this is your first time at an Interdrone conference. Correct. It's the first time I've been to Interdrone. We've been to other conferences, but it's the first one at Interdrone. And but how has it uh, how has it lived up to other drone conferences you've been to? Um, it's good. It's more focused. Uh, so some of the other ones that I've been to have been extremely varied. Yeah. Um, so we've had, you know, I, I was... It was a bit strange that you have a huge companies selling million-dollar drones next to companies selling one-hundred-dollar drones. <laughs> right. Uh, this one seems to be a little bit more focused at the commercial market. Yeah, I guess so you know, p- putting people on level playing field at some of those other ones, yeah. right? Yeah, I love that. <laughs> so that was good. Yeah. So the first thing I want to dive into here is Esri has a lot of different applications, mm-hmm. um, and it the technology that you provide at Esri is really impactful, especially within the drone and UAV space. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to know how Esri found itself in the drone and UAV space, and then expanding off of that, how drone pilots and users are using your technology mm-hmm. to their benefit. Okay. So, I mean, Esri has been a, you know, in business for nearly 50 years now. Wonderful. Uh, so we really are the market leader in the geospatial context. Right. Um, traditionally, we've been known as being sort of a vector GIS company. Uh, and about 15 years ago, uh, we started working a lot more in imagery. Uh, so we started developing a lot of technology to um, specifically manage massive volumes of imagery. We saw the opportunity that organizations, a lot of our customers, had huge volumes of imagery from satellites, planes, uh, it wasn't drones at that time, uh, and had the requirement to make that data accessible. So we'd focused on developing not just desktop application, but server-based enterprise solutions for organizations to work with this massive amounts of data, and developed what we call dynamic on-the-fly processing, which is the ability to store the data and then transform it into products on the fly as the data is accessed. It was a very, quite a revolutionary way of accessing imagery, which is very different to the traditional processing workflows. Right. So over the years, that is, has expanded, and then a couple of years ago, we realized that we wanted to get, you know, we saw the drone market expanding, and a lot of our customers asking for solutions you know, for working with drones. So we took a lot of the technology that we had for aerial and satellite imagery and started applying it um, uh, with drone technology, uh, developing technology. We've also been working a little bit with other companies, for example, um, uh, um, Pix4D is a okay. partner that we work with on that side. Wonderful. And you know, how are you seeing drone pilots and users react to this kind of powerful technology? I mean, being the leaders in the space, you've had time to refine your craft for years and years. So mm-hmm. it's not like you are just breaking into the space. So clearly they're going to want some powerful technology. So yeah, a, lot, a lot of them actually come here and go, wow, I didn't realize S3 had a solution to drones. <laughs> right. <laughs> we use your products everywhere, but right. we didn't. They? So a lot of them actually are, are, a lot of those organizations are already using RTS technology within their within their organizations. Right. And in many cases, just haven't realized the capabilities that we have for working with drone imagery and a lot of remote sensing or sensing data. So a lot of them are very pleasantly surprised that we have actually solutions in this in, in this in this space. Uh, and you know, a lot of our customers are you know um, state and local governments, um, people like that, and they they have significant requirements for um, drones. And it's not just about going flying the drones, but it's ensuring that the products that they create integrate into the rest of the workflows that they have. Right. Uh, so it's not just fly the drone and then hand somebody a disc. It's, right. Uh, 
how, do, how, does that, how does that help me make the decisions and become valuable? Right. And what have been some of those decisions that have turned out to be valuable because of, of your technology? Give me a few examples. So um, examples are in the utility space. Um, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of utility companies need to do asset management right. uh, and just ma monitor their utility infrastructure on a regular in interval. And that has traditionally been very expensive for them to record all that information. And now what they're doing is just flying the drones over the area of interest cataloging it, just capturing the imagery, and then using that so that in the future when they say, oh, what has changed and what has been updated, or um, they can just go back and look at that imagery. Uh, so it's, that, that's one example where it's being used. Others, obviously, in agriculture and forestry, mm. uh, those are sort of much larger sort of enterprise organizations that are seeing significant value in being able to use um, drone technology, obviously, in the agricultural space for doing precision agricultural-type applications, but also in forestry um, for detection of bark beetle and yeah. things like that, which uh, um, for sort of much better management of the forest stands. Interesting. Interesting being able to use drones and site mapping and, and, and geospatial technology to assess something so small like that on, on a forestry level. How, how does that work? Walk me through that. So, um, okay, so let's say the, uh, typically in a forestry application, uh, you know, they, they have a lot of obviously massive areas that they are managed right. and drones are not going to fly those areas, um, but they very often also have focus areas that they very often use for research purposes, okay. uh, where, for example, plant trees and, and monitor the growth of those trees, uh, or have areas that they want to cut and monitor and calculate volumes and stuff more accurately. So those are examples where they can fly the drones over those areas, capture that information, and then start taking various measurements measurements out of it. Definitely. Um, so, sort of strand management. And how does Esri try to stand out among other geospatial companies uh, on on the side of analyzing and actually using the data, making mm -hmm. it accessible, um, because mm -hmm. you know, as drones become more ubiquitous mm -hmm. and the kinds of data that you get become more comprehensive, mm -hmm. then there's the challenge of making sure that you can actually use the data. Yeah, okay. So there, there are multiple products that are coming out of the drones. Um, one obviously is a sort of a base map as a background. Yeah. Uh, and uh, within products like drone to map you can generate those products and then have them straight uploaded into ArcGIS online and served in all your web and desktop applications. Wonderful. So a lot of companies are just doing that, taking the images and just creating up-to-date base maps so they can update very quickly and use as applications. The other big thing is the train, digital train models, either DSMs or DTMs that can be created out of it, and that's been used for, um, for volumetric computations, okay. uh, also for a lot of change detection, because once you have a train model, you can actually use that to detect change very easily. So that's another application. Some people are creating the 3D models to use and stream. Uh, we have technology that allows us to basically create either the point clouds or the 3D meshes and stream those into web applications. A lot of that is sort of um, you know things like tourism industries and stuff like that where people want to have representations of, yeah. of their cities and want to show that off. Um, then, then there is uh, um, the actual start doing the analysis of the data. This is going more into the agriculture applications where people are using our um, classification capabilities. We have very good, powerful tools for doing segmentation and classification imagery, or the traditional image classification techniques, which work especially on the multispectral imagery. And then more and more, we're seeing people using AI algorithms with the drone imagery to extract objects. So taking the images, not necessarily orthorectifying them, but leaving them in their non-rectified form, Applying various AI algorithms using TensorFlow or CNTK to do various 
object extraction and then have those objects retransformed into map space so that you can see where those objects are on, on maps. It could be, for example, you know, looking for cars or any type of utility, utilities, all sorts of things like that. Right. So, I mean, the fact that it's not only analyzing your data well, but it, it's giving you a platform to then dig through it all in a in an easy way. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what what you know, what people want is you know the real value of the information comes when we layer it with other information. Of course. Yeah, just one layer on its own is, is not so valuable as when <laughs> yeah. you stack it on a bunch of other, and that's really what the GIS does. It allows you to take that information and compare it with your addresses that you have, or plot locations, or the location of your pipelines, or you know all those things. And that's the integration of that into a platform that allows you to combine these different data sets and then share those and allow the end user not just to get a PDF or a, a flat map, but to actually interact with the data and query it is where the actual value comes. Right. And how are you seeing innovations like this, both in the accessing of the data, but then also just the improved analysis that's available, uh, impacting the AEC industry, you know, construction and site mapping and, mm -hmm. and surveying, and how are you seeing those professionals gain a lot of value out of this technology? So I think we have to look at it at various scales. I mean, from the, so let's say, the more traditional surveying um, practices, there, there are you know, practices where it's, it's used to do sort of base mapping, and there okay. are obviously changes, people starting to use drone technology um, for, for, for that type of work. It's becoming more interesting when we actually get to more construction and monitoring of roads, uh, where um, this is industries where for the last 10 years there's been a lot of development in LiDAR technology yeah. to collect that sort of information and people are realizing that they can either supplement the LiDAR data or in some cases replace the LiDAR data by actually using drones uh, um, to, to capture similar information. Now, obviously accuracy becomes a very important um, 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 and very important for those users, right. and that's where a lot of work has been going in to ensure that the products have, are accurate and have, an, have a reproducible accuracy, and that the reports and stuff in the products ensure that that is accurate and reproducible, because that's critical in those, in those um, 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 areas. Definitely. Well, especially, I mean, the fact that these professionals have been using technology for site mapping, surveying, everything in between, mm -hmm that hasn't been that comprehensive and still being able to accomplish mm -hmm. their jobs, you know, now that the data is getting even more extensive and you're able to not have to do as much guessing, right? Yeah, it's, I, it's changing how, how it's, they're getting their jobs done. It's, it, I think it's also changing the products that they're, ex they're, they're expected to deliver. I right. mean, as a surveyor many years ago, you would go and your job for the day was to set out a number of points <laughs> right. and deliver that as a, as a piece of paper with, you know, or, or, or a plot or something like right. that. Now, the job of the surveyor is changing and the expectation is that they return with a 3D model, <laughs> right. accurate images, right. attributes and stuff like that. So the products of that industry are changing. It's not, it's not a matter of just utilizing the new technology to replace or complement an existing in, uh, um, technology. It's really creating new products in that industry and the expectations of customers, that's what they, that, that's, that's what they want from a surveyor. Definitely. Well, then now that, that presents a different challenge, as the technology improves, mm -hmm. you're having the professionals actually um, you know, doing these jobs, having to educate themselves mm -hmm. on the expectations and making sure that you know, they stay up to date with these trends. Mm -hmm. Have you found that Esri or um, other companies within the geospatial technology space 
are trying to educate their users and, mm -hmm. and find ways to get them up to date with what is standard in their industries. Yeah, so I mean, Esri has a whole whole department focused purely on education Perfect. and edu <laughs> yeah. educating our users. So uh, we make a lot of our materials available uh, on, online for free for people to use. We also have a, like a conference, we have a user conference that's um, that, um, every um, 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 July in San Diego, I mean last year 18,000 people came to that wow. and that is also an incredibly great educational for a lot of those people to really find, learn from their peers on how these workflows um, are, are done. Definitely. Well, it's exciting the way that this technology is being implemented into drones and is mm -hmm. is affecting so many different industries and, and the way that Esri is empowering education mm -hmm. I think is is really important because I think that's maybe a link that gets left behind with innovation, is as new technology comes through and people expect, wow, this is going to change so much, mm -hmm. it's okay, well, what about the people that are actually accomplishing these tasks and making sure that we're educating them and not leaving them in the dust and just hoping that, oh, you know, someone else is going to pick it up. Well, it's, it's, it's also about bringing people into this industry. So, right. Uh, Esri has, uh, um, a number of years ago, we actually committed to providing our technology to the K-12 schools free of charge. So literally any school in the world now has access to the whole suite of Esri technology uh, to enable them to help educate specifically even from the children uh, into the spatial con spatial concepts and get them interested in careers in this industry. So we've, we started at that level and certainly the universities, there are, I don't know how many universities, I think it's in the order of about five to 8,000 universities have site licenses of RGS software which they use specifically to educate um, students at that level in using using the technology. Right. So yeah, we put a huge commitment to ensuring that the the spatial technology is taught well and mo in modern ways in these universities. Good, good. I, I applaud you for it. Definitely. <laughs> um, so now I kind of want to step back a little bit and look at applications for geospatial technology in general, mm -hmm. um, because though I know a lot of drone companies, drone users use geospatial technology. There are some applications that might not be immediately linked to, oh yeah, we need the power of place mm -hmm. here. Um, and those would include, in my mind, education, retail, and banking. Those were some of the ones I saw on your site that mm -hmm. caught my eye as, mm, it's interesting that there is such an emphasis for the power of place in these different industries. Mm -hmm. So let's walk through why the power of place is so important. Okay. And, and, and I would refer, we, so we, instead of power of place, we refer yeah. to the science of where. The science of Somewhere. where, okay, <laughs> perfect. So mixing up the terminology, but, yeah, yeah, but the, same, the science same, same. of where, mm -hmm. you know, why is it so important and let's start with education. Okay, so I mean, as I mentioned a, a, a bit before, we need to ensure from an education perspective that people really understand these technologies, spatial technologies, and so um, we, provide a lot of solutions or technology for um, people to learn how to use um, GIS and, and within, 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 ed, within education. So this is not only from, let's say, more the traditional geography um, but, and geology, but more into um, you know, GIS science, the science of it, um, and yeah, improve, improving, improving that. So that was sort of more of the education side. The right. other one was was what retail. Was, retail. Okay. So we um, <clears throat> so 
Esri is also, you know, we, we talk, refer to ourselves as a GIS or location intelligence company. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of our customers are in enterprises um, and retail is a huge user of spatial technology. So if you think of the delivery of all goods, um, there is a massive amount of technology that's required to understand the best route and our technology is used to substantially reduce for example the pollution caused by bus you know um, um, cars driving or, or deliveries so it's yeah, used freight, in freight trucks for freight trucks yeah. and stuff mm -hmm. like that so um, the other one is more in in the use of understanding demographics so we provide products that allow users to take um, the locations addresses and then get demo um, associate those with demographics so you get a much better understanding of the customer trends. So, um, so for example, so like choosing where to place your business correct. because a certain demographic of people shop in that area? Correct, yeah. And where the location of all your competitors are in comparison. And all, so it, all that type of analysis is done to ensure that the location that you, you select for your, your, uh, um, your, 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 op, your, your job, your um, business is actually the best. The other ones are, I mean, even even things like pharmacies, CBS and companies like that, they use it to, to monitor things like the location of, you know, flu. Right. How, how, how is a flu epidemic of, um, moving through the country right. that actually enables it to stock things appropriately? Right. So those are applications of where spatial technology is used in the, in the, the retail, uh, retail areas. Yeah. Um, how, how does GIS uh, technology, like the one that you have at Esri, gather demographic information for um, for a retailer? Say they wanted to know, okay, I want to place my store somewhere where we're going to get the most 20 through 40 age group. Mm -hmm. So we so we actually work with uh, we actually collect a lot of data. We actually work with a number of partners. Uh, so Esri works. I mean, we have about over 2,000 partners uh, that utilize our technology or provide components of our technology and uh, a lot of that is actually the creation of content and that a lot of that is that collection of demographic information not only for the United States but also internationally so we work with a lot of different organizations uh, to collect that data and then make that easily accessible to users uh, within within our platform so yeah Great. Uh, and then what about banking? That was the one that when I first saw it, I was like, wow, how will geospatial technology fit into this industry? So yeah, wa walk me through Esri's applications within the banking space. <laughs> okay, it's banking is certainly not my area of expertise. <laughs> neither, is, neither is it mine, but I understand. Um, so, um, so from a, from a banking perspective, a lot of it is, is the location. Again, it's very similar to the retail space. Yeah. Is, is a lot of it's the lo um, location of, of the banks is certainly one, one aspect of it. Um, a lot of it is also because those banks work with a lot of businesses. So they need to understand the businesses that they're working for and they want to ensure that if they're, let's say, giving loans to organizations that their business plans make sense. So they actually use this to sort of reevaluate does does the business plan actually make sense? Right. <laughs> so they 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 basically do a lot of checking of of, of, of that type of, of thing. There's also a lot of um, spatial um, work done, not so much say in banking, but in detection of things like fraud. Uh, spatial information is important right. in fraud. I mean, if you if you buy something at one place, you're likely to buy it somewhere else. If somebody's suddenly buying something much further away, right? You know, you can't be at two petrol stations at the same time. <laughs> uh, right. So there are those sort of things where spatial technology is also used in the analysis of a lot of the information that banks collect. Spatial information is an important factor to analyze. Definitely. 
And so now I want to tie this back into our drone talk, mm -hmm. which is you know, how do you see drones making their way into some of these industries and maybe uh, you know education or retail or banking taking drone technology, mixing it with geospatial technology and you know, Im improving basically what they're already doing. Do you see any sort of crossover there? Uh, yeah, so I mean, in the, let's say in the re retail in the retail market, um, there is, you know, it, it's quite well a good example, which has been used quite a few times, is the one of, of parking lots and understanding better the patterns of people shopping at different locations. Nice. Uh, so, you know, one typical example is to use drones to capture information about that and detect the location of vehicles and then from that analyze the, the, the trends in the usage of that facility, uh, whether it's your facility or a competitor's facility. And that might be coming from, you know, more traditional small drones or, you know, more aerial, aerial, aerial vehicles as well. But right. the ability to actually fly the drones at particular points in time um, is, is, a, is a great capability of the drones. Yeah. Well, it's exciting that some of these industries already know the power of geospatial technology, mm -hmm. but the flexibility of a drone and you know, as regulations come through that make them more ubiquitous and then technology improves on them, I mean, you, you could see a lot of these industries benefiting from drone usage mm -hmm. it, very immediately. Yeah. I mean, if you just look at the distribution, I mean, there's a lot of talk about, you know, people having you know pizzas delivered by drones <laughs> right it's going to take a little which longer which would be nice <laughs> but yeah <laughs> which might take a bit longer uh, but yeah there is i mean the the location and the, to to implement drones in those type of environments requires very good knowledge of uh, the, the environment just like autonomous vehicles require good knowledge about their environment so do drones when they get to that scale need good and that means there is a increasing demand for more accurate terrain models surface models building models models of trees and stuff like that right. so that one can actually plan how to fly those projects better definitely well i'd like to thank you peter for coming on the podcast and giving us some insight on the varied applications for geospatial technology and the crossover within the drone and UAV space. I mean, it's really exciting from my point of view to see how, as technology improves, it's starting to find new applications for, for this crossover of technology. Mm -hmm. I, I think we're, we're an exciting point for, uh, for both geospatial tech and drone and UAV tech. Yeah, it's an, exci it's an exciting time and it's likely to be carry on being exciting. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Especially as, as you know, drone companies and drone users work together with the FAA to mm -hmm. finally get some things organized on the regulation side. Yep. And, uh, you know, though, though regulations might seem a little scary on the front end, it's actually the opposite. It's going to empower more people to get their drones in the airspace. And, mm -hmm. I don't know, soon we might, see, uh, we might see some standardized drones flying day to day. It's exciting. Sounds good. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Peter, for coming on the podcast. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's podcast. And if you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, you can head to marketscale.com slash industries and subscribe to previous podcasts, articles, and video content from your favorite industries. And be sure to follow marketscale.com for more updates from Interdrone at Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.